The Elf Service A Story for Christmas Written by Tobias Sturt And read by John Millington Episode 19 Argus cancels Christmas Maddie Sharp liked to remind people that the Argus newspaper was named after the giant of Greek myth, the Watchman of the Gods with a Hundred Eyes. Only a few of the eyes ever slept at any one time, so that he was always wakeful, ever vigilant. That the paper never slept was true enough. There was no lock on the front door of the Argus building. It never closed. All day, messengers came and went. All night, the presses pounded. If the bars were closed, the journalists were in. If the restaurants were closed the management. But Maddy's point was more metaphorical than that, of course. As one eye closed, as one story went to bed, another opened to scrutinise the world. The eyes of the paper peered everywhere, in every corner of the town, in every office, in every doings, ever watchful for news. Woman reporter breaks story in hearts. She was, of course, entirely gratified that she had been right about the elf service being a bit of seasonal fluff, a nine-day wonder. It hadn't even lasted as long as Christmas, come and gone in a couple of weeks. It had been a nice little story, some enjoyable little twists and turns, even an actual chase across the city, but it was more enjoyable to be right and to prove Walter Burns wrong. And even as she was congratulating herself on her perspicacity, both on getting the story and realising how trivial a story it was, she was already looking out to see what was next. If the Argus had a hundred eyes, Maddie Sharp was at least two of them, and it was her job to be on the lookout, to be that ever-vigilant watchman. Paper wraps presents. One fact about Argus, of which Maddie was particularly fond, was that he was killed by the god Hermes. She specifically liked repeating this fact to Walter Burns, who was obsessed with the rival paper, the Mercury. The Mercury was named after the Roman name for Hermes, and more importantly, was edited by an old friend of Burns who never failed to crow at her boss whenever they scooped the Argus. More important to Maddie, however, was why the Mercury was named that. Because Hermes was the messenger of the gods, the god of communication, of news itself. He had killed Argus by lulling the giant to sleep with music. This, Maddie liked to maintain, particularly when a little drunk, was the important bit. It had been the seductive quality of news itself that had killed the watchman. It was all too easy to get distracted by whatever made headlines, whatever was popular or out there in public, in the light, and to stop peering into the shadows to find out what might be being hidden from you. This was why Maddie had suspected Irving Jefferson from the start, simply because he was news. She just assumed that anyone trying to attract attention was actually trying to distract attention from something else. Anyone in the headlines was immediately suspicious. Which was why she saw the pictures of Crimble on the front page and started to think. Sharp stabs children in the back. While Maddie liked to think of herself like the paper as ever watchful, all eyes, she was not all ears. 
She had long ago conditioned herself, for example, to ignore the shouts of the newsies in the streets. After all, she knew the headlines long before they ever came to be shouting them, and it is a necessary part of city life that you learn to ignore distractions. But even she eventually had to realise, as she walked around town, that every child on every corner with a pile of newspapers under their arm was specifically and determinedly insulting her every time she passed one. This one she definitely noticed because she knew the newsy in question, Tin Lizzie. Sharp stinks! All right, loudmouth, I hear you, said Maddie, stopping finally. Did my editor hire you? I'm not talking to you, said Lizzie. True, you're shouting at me, said Maddie. What I want to know is why. You know why, you traitor. Lizzie, you attacked him yourself, said Maddie. Jefferson was a crook. I didn't betray anyone, quite the opposite. Reporting that stuff is my job. Is ruining Christmas your job too? That wasn't Jefferson's job either, but he did it, said Maddie. In fact, his job was the opposite of that. There's your traitor. The service was a good idea, said Lizzie. You said so yourself. She shook her papers at Maddie in fury. It was, and he ruined it, said Maddie, with all his other nonsense. It was you that told everyone about it. Which is, as we have established, my job, said Maddie. What are you talking to her for? Captain Blood appeared behind Maddie with Wilson and, she noticed, the little girl Midge in tow. Traitor, said Wilson. I have just been explaining to your general here how I am literally the opposite of a traitor, said Maddie. Don't make me explain it all over again for the late edition. You are a traitor, said Lizzie. Christmas must come to those that deserve it most. That's what you said. I am constantly assured, said Maddie, that journalism is just tomorrow's fish wrappers, and yet everyone keeps quoting my own words to me like they're Shakespeare. If I wanted my words to live forever, I'd have become a stone carver. Well, you said it, didn't you? said Lizzie. If you say so, said Maddie. And is it? Lizzie waved her papers at Maddie again, shaking Crimble's portrait in her face. Is Christmas coming, is it? Not charioted in by Crimble and his reindeer, no, I'll grant you that, said Maddie. Then you are a traitor to yourself said Lizzie. It wouldn't be the first time, said Maddie. So what are you going to do about it? said the captain. I'm going to drink to forget, said Maddie. What do you want me to do? You just said it was your job to tell the truth about crooks, said Lizzie. What about this crimble? Wait, said Maddie, suddenly remembering the newsie's reputation for knowing everything. What do you know about Crimble? He's on the council, isn't he? said the captain. Yeah, said Lizzie. They're always up to something. Mistresses and lying and corruption. She shook the papers at Maddie again. Always. Embezzlement, said Wilson suddenly. They all turned to look at him. He stared back at them. Maddie shrugged. I hate to tell you this, kids said Maddie. But Crimble's not any of those things. He's so clean, he makes my teeth itch. You rub him and he squeaks. Nothing on him but fresh linen and the smell of soap. You've been investigating them, haven't you? 
said the captain. You're thinking the same way we are. I don't think anyone thinks the same way you do, said Maddy. Look, you kids might not like it. I might not like it, but Councillor Crimble is just doing his job and doing it rather well, sadly. It's public money that's going into the elf service now, and that means both the public and the money need to be looked after. No more hobnobbing with hoteliers and glad-handing with the great and good. No more handing out the largesse just how you like. Every I has to be dotted, every T signed in triplicate. But, said Lizzie, there's not a drop of Christmas in him. Except that he does look like a particularly boring bauble, said Maddy. But no, there isn't. And frankly, there shouldn't be. He's not paid to be Christmassy. He's paid to be unpleasant, apparently, and we're paying him to do it. Well, I am, at any rate. I very much doubt any of you know what taxes are. But it's not fair, said Lizzie insistently. Is it? The health service was a good idea. People like us, like Midge, were going to get a Christmas, and now we're not. And it's not fair, is it? Life is, I am told, famously not fair, said Maddy. But Christmas should be, shouldn't it? said the captain. Shouldn't it be, though? Shouldn't it? It should be fair, shouldn't it? In both senses, I guess, said Maddy. Equitably beautiful and beautifully equitable. You want to get crumbled to you, don't you? said the captain. You do want to, don't you? said Lizzie. Get him, said Wilson. Midge just stared at her. Maddie sighed. Sure, yes, she said. Petty though it may be, unprofessional though it definitely is, I want to get rid of him, yes. But how? He's ungettable. Well, think of something, said Lizzie. There's nothing us newsies can't find out. Hang on, though. I think you already have, said Maddie. That thing you said about him not having any Christmas in him has given me an idea. There's one last place I haven't checked yet. Come with me. Maddie had thought it was a long shot and was astonished to find that it paid off and that the secretary of the Anti-Christmas League was exactly where she had last seen him, in the offices of the Anti-Christmas League, being the secretary. What are you still doing here? was all she could think to say when she found him. What business is it of yours? said the suspicious young man, glaring at the newsies who had insisted on accompanying her inside. Have you not heard about the Reverend Iverson Yonker? said Maddy. He turned out to be a set of false whiskers and a joke-shop dog-collar. After much deliberation, said the young man, as if repeating a much-rehearsed speech, the trustees of the League have decided that our work is too important to be forestalled by the regrettable behaviour of one deluded individual. That's very generous of Councillor Crimble, said Maddy. How did you know it was him? said the young man, stepping back, startled and narrowing his eyes. Oh, told you. Well, you just did, said Maddy. That was just a guess, but thank you for confirming it. I confirmed nothing, said the young man in a panic. I cannot confirm or deny the identity of any of our trustees. They have all requested anonymity. I bet they have, said Maddy. I imagine none of your deluded individuals want anyone to know about their regrettable behaviour. Anyway, thank you for your help. I haven't been helpful, said the young man. I haven't rendered you any assistance. Oh, yes, you have, 
said Maddy, cheerfully, closing the door behind her. You've been very helpful indeed. She could hear the young man wailing all the way down the stairs. What's an anti-Christmas league, anyway? said the captain as they emerged onto the street. A thing that I imagine Councillor Crimble would not want anyone to know he's involved with, said Maddy. A thing that convinces me that he's up to no good. Although also a thing that might not be enough to convince anyone else. Then what's the use of it, then? said the captain. It is a loose end, said Maddy, and it's made me think of another one. Get enough of them together, and sometimes you can begin to weave. You got a plan, haven't you? said the captain. A suspicion of a plan, said Maddy, or perhaps a plan to have a suspicion. You kids told me you could find anyone in the city, right? Name em, said Lizzie. Well, at the risk of upsetting our little friend here, said Maddy, gesturing at Midge, the name is McNulty. I want you to find the man who is not her father. You have been listening to The Elf Service, a story for Christmas in 24 daily episodes, read by John Millington and written and produced by Tobias Sturt. The music is Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Riley Farley and their orchestra from the Internet Archive at archive.org. Our illustrations are by Jamie Lemon, and you can see more of his work at jamielemon.com. This podcast is distributed by Acast, and you can find all of our stories there or on our website, christmasstories.co.uk, where you can also sign up for our newsletter. But wherever you found us, if you like what we do, please rate and review it, and share with someone if you think they'd like it too. More importantly, though, make sure you're here for the next episode of The Elf Service.